Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Have you ever felt absolutely alone? Chuck Nolan finds himself a castaway on an island. And in never to find hope, he builds a handmade raft and he puts his buddy Wilson on the raft with him. Wilson's a volleyball. In the journey, he loses Wilson and it breaks his heart. About two years ago, I felt like Chuck Nolan. And I felt alone. Did you hear him say, I'm sorry? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because he felt like the work he was doing was driving Wilson farther away. Part of the things that led to me being in that place two years ago was I thought I had done, I thought I had done damage to someone who mattered to me. And I was pushing them away. And then suddenly I felt isolated. Like there was nothing I could do to fix it. But you know what began to fix it? I started letting other people in on it. I let my wife in on it. I let my kids in on it. The elder team of this church became my small group. And I let them in on it. And they prayed for me. And they helped me. God supplied other local pastors who helped me connect certain dots and got me in front of a counseling situation and a, and a, and a, uh, a counselor that spent days with me from a godly perspective. And, and suddenly, as I let people back in, hope began to, to, to grow. See, I think, I think a lot of us go through times where we feel absolutely hopeless and we feel absolutely alone in the middle of that hopelessness. We feel like there's, there's nothing going on. We, we, and our natural, here's a, I think we as humans, our natural tendency is this. It's to withdraw. When things don't go our way, when things happen unexpectedly, when life happens, we want to withdraw. And like Greg showed a minute ago, sometimes we withdraw with God. from God. We walk the other direction, right? We, we walk away from him. We don't walk towards him. And, and you know what? Withdrawing is one of the worst things we can do. It's the natural thing to do, but it's one of the worst things we can do. And, and, and you know what? God designed us in such a way. The scriptures say this in Genesis chapter 2. It says this, It is not good for man or humans to be alone. Those are his words. God says that. And the crazy thing about that line is those words are found in the context that man and God have a perfect relationship. There's been no sin yet. God walks with Adam through the garden. They have conversation and communion together. And he, he says, and God looks at it and goes, it's not good for this man to be alone. And he creates Eve. And here's, what, here's the thing. If it wasn't good for a guy who was in perfect communion with God at the time, it's really not good for us who have a, a struggle because of sin with broken relationship with God and things that wedge in between us. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
And so this morning, we've been on this journey for about three weeks, and I've been encouraging you that God encounters bring hope. And here's this, hope flourishes in connection. Our theme verse for the, for, for the month has been this, Ephesians 4.4, 4, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. And I hope those words bring life to you because you, look at your neighbor right now and look at them and say these words, you are called to hope. You're called to hope. You're among a group of people today who are called to hope. We are not called to hopelessness. We are not called to isolation. We are not called to those kinds of things. We are called to hope. We are called to it. And we are called to walk life out together because hope flourishes in connection. Hope flourishes in connection with God's people. Contextually, here's what we find in Ephesians 4. If we jump back three verses, you find these words. Paul writes, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. That's a, that's a, there's two words of calling right there, right? Ephesians 1 says you're called by God. Ephesians means 4.1. Ephesians 4.4 says you've been called to hope. You are called God's voice is emanating right now towards you, trying to draw you close to him, trying to draw you close to the purpose he created you, trying to draw you close to a family of believers that, that, are, that are meant for your benefit. Listen, to because here's what he says next. Always be humble and gentle. You guys might want, if you guys can, or highlight or something like that, you might want to underline or circle that word Always. Never reason not to be humble or gentle. Never. Always be humble and gentle. Now listen to these next lines. Be patient, next three words, with each other. This inclines us to believe we're supposed to be doing life together. Okay? Make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Verse 3, make every effort to keep yourselves, plural, united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Then it says, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. You notice Chuck Nolan in that video clip, he is on a raft meant to save his life. And guess what that raft is? It's bound together. The scriptures would say that we are God's church. He is building a house, not this kind of a house. He's building a house made of living stones. And the bond that keeps us together is love. Your life raft right now for life is sitting all around you. Right now. The way you're going to arrive at your calling for hope is by binding, being bound together on that raft God's placed around you right now. And it's not made of sticks and twine and whatever else he took to make that thing. It, it, it's the people and the love of God sitting right around you right now. If you're going to arrive at a place full of hope, it's going to be because you take advantage of the life raft that's around you right now.
And, and you, can't, you can't withdraw from it. You can't get away from it. You can't, you can't act like it's not there. You can't act like it's not important because the Scripture is very clear. It's not good for you to be alone. Some of us feel alone in our, in our own homes. Some of us feel alone in our neighborhoods. Some of us feel alone in our workplaces. Some of us feel alone no matter where we go. And that is not God's hope. It's not God's design. It is not God's heart. Hope flourishes in connection to God's people who do a couple of different things, who offer love and encouragement. The book of Hebrews chapter 10 reads like this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Listen to those words. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Here's the idea of wavering. The idea of wavering has to do with life throwing waves at you. The life raft you're on may buckle back and forth, but if it's bound together by God and the Holy Spirit, it will withstand the waving. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep His promise. For three weeks now, we've talked about this. We've talked about God encounters bring hope. And the first lesson was this, that there's a person of hope. It is God in Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? That was the first thing we talked about, that if you're going to start in hope, the first place to look for hope is in God, and the way you have access to God is because of the person of Christ. Do you, have, do you understand that? This, last week we talked about this idea that you have hope because of the promises of God. There is the promise of hope we find in the Scriptures, the Word of God. And right here it says, let us hold tightly without waiting the hope we affirm for God, the person of hope, can't be trusted to keep His promise, the promise of hope, His Word. Now look at the next line. Let us think of ways. Sitting around you right now are the people of hope. We've gone from the person of hope to the promise of hope. Now we're with the people of hope. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. The whole idea of getting through life is this. We're supposed to do it with others. I've heard people say, I had this conversation in a, in a government setting recently uh, before a meeting. I was sitting, I was sitting with some other officials, and suddenly we were having this conversation about different things about church, and I had one of them pop up and say, well, you know, I just think it's, you know, it's a personal thing between you and God, and, you know, you don't have to go to church. The building's not that important. On a couple of the things, I would agree, because we get so locked into a building, we forget to be the church. In Jesus' mind, the church was never a building. The church was a people. But that does not dis, disarm us from, or give us a, a, a pass, an exemption from being with God's people. Are you hearing me? It is very personal. God interrupts your life. It's very intense. It's very crazy. And there's something very, wow, God and me. But it's not just God and you. It was never meant to be just God and you. God never planned it that way. God doesn't want it that way. God wants you engaged with a group of people heading in the same direction with their final destination being heaven in eternity with God. That's what he wants. And so when Paul makes these statements here, he's inferring this idea. You are obligated as a follower of Christ to stay engaged with the rest of the followers of Christ. You don't get a pass just because you're having a bad day. You don't get a pass because you messed up this week. 
You don't get a, you don't get a pass because you know things just aren't going your way or God didn't answer the prayer you wanted him to or or whatever. You you don't get a pass. You you need to stay engaged with the rest of the body of Christ. We we've heard this saying, you guys have probably told your kids this, you know, something like this. Well, two wrongs don't make a right. Right? If you mess up this week or messed up last week, the worst thing you can do is not be among the people of God because you need the grace and mercy God's poured into them to splash over on you. And I realize that we have done harm to that kind of scenario because we've been judgmental and awful and hard to get along with at times, and we jump on people when they screw up. I get it, but that still doesn't change the fact that we need one another. And if you're going to live in hope, you're going to be walking the hope of call, the calling of hope God's got for you. It's going to be because you link arms with the people sitting around you. You link arms with people with like precious faith, and you don't let silly things let us let us find ways to motivate one another, right? To acts of love and good works. See, when you've messed up, you need somebody to remind you you can do good things. When you're self-centered and tore up, you need somebody to remind you, hey, there's other people in the world. Hey, let's go do something together for the name of Jesus. Hey, let's go pray for so-and-so. Hey, let's get, to, let's get to small group this week. Hey, let's get this thing going. Hey, and just staying, in, staying, staying right there motivating you. Boy, Tom Izzo got grilled this week, didn't he? You guys see that? Anybody watch any March Madness? Huh? Some, some, some player of his was losing, losing his mind and not giving his all out on the basketball court, and Coach Izzo come off the bench, got right up in that young man's face. I mean, just in front of God and everybody, literally on national TV, and then he got hammered on, on social media. I, I can't wait till the days of those coaches are over, blah, 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 blah. And you know what was funny? All the rest of the team took up for t- Coach Izzo. They're like, that's our coach. He knows what we need. He knows we want him to hold us again. We want to know when we're not playing up to our best. We want to be encouraged and motivated to keep running racing. I thought, dude, that's beautiful. Because sometimes, you know what, you know what we need? We need a good kick in the pants. Am I right? Huh? How many of you could say, hey, like Aaron, hey, I'm a knucklehead sometimes? Huh? Am I right? Huh? Well, some of my best coaches were the ones when they found Aaron beat a knucklehead that gave me a kick in the pants. Right? Well, consider this your weekly kick in the pants. All right? You don't get a free pass. I get life is busy. I get things go on. I get things get tore up. I get that the squirrels jump out in front of you on the road and you wreck your car. I get all that. Life comes at you fast, Right? But it doesn't give you a pass to not stay engaged with the people of God. You need to stay connected. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says this. If we're supposed to motivate one of the love and good works, let's remind ourselves what love is. Love never gives up. You need to be around a group of people who believe and, and, and convey that kind of love, that it never gives up. Love never loses faith. When you're wavering, you need to be around people whose faith is up. And they're going to convey that to you because they love you. Love is always, these words, always hopeful. When you lose hope, the worst place you could be is outside a covenant of love with some people who care about you who are full of the same kind of hope that's inside Christ. Love endures through every circumstance. The worst thing you can do is when you're about to give up is stop being around the people who can help you endure because they have the love of God in their hearts. That's the worst thing you can do. 
Romans 12, 12, contextually is this. It starts out with Romans 12, 1, and it's, it, 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 it's the story of, of, of how Paul calls us to give our bodies as living sacrifices. That we shouldn't be conformed to the image of the world. We should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then from verse 3 on, he begins to talk about how you place yourself within the context of the body of Christ. That you should use your gifts. You should use the things to help other people out. And he gets to verse 12 and he says these words, Rejoice in our, 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 not mine, not their, not yours, ours. Rejoice in our confident hope. Rejoice in it. Why do we give an opportunity to worship together? Because we need to rejoice together collectively as the body of Christ around the person of Christ and what he has done, what he is doing, and what he has promised to do. And the way we rejoice in confident hope is to get around the person of Christ together. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble goes back to Ephesians 4, right? Be, always be humble, always be gentle, right? Be patient with one another, making allowances for one another's faults. And keep on praying. Get around people who are praying. Stay around people who are praying. Don't, don't paint yourself into a corner. The reason you can't do that is because hope flourishes in with God's people. Now, if we dip down a little bit further down Hebrews 10, we find ourselves at verse 25. Listen to these words. And let us, there it is, it's collective again. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Pregnant pause on purpose. If I were a psalmist, I'd put the word salah in there. Stop and think about it. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Hope flourishes in connection with God's people. Barna, the guy who keeps track of all things, all statistics and analysis having to do with the body of Christ and the mission of the church and all of those sorts of things, has told us in the last year or so that the, the regular, the, the re, listen to these words, I'm going to say this out loud, the regular, the regular, regular, the regular church attender, the regular member of a church, attends service 1.8 times a month. Let that sink in for a minute. Now, I just read you a piece of scripture that says not to neglect meeting together. I'm about to get on somebody's toes. If you've got open shoe toes, open toe shoes on, you might want to bring your toes back in just a little bit. Give you a heads up, all right? The scripture talks about in 1 Thessalonians as the day of Jesus is approaching. That there will be this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. There will be a great falling away. And then he encourages us as we see the day of Jesus approaching to meet together. And a couple of translations where it says, especially now, a couple of translations say, says, even more so as we see the day of Jesus approaching. 
You know what I think the correlation between those two things are? People are going to get so crazy busy, so up in other things, got their minds on so many different stuff, they're going to neglect meeting together. Therefore, their hope's going to run out. And as things really get cranked up, as the, as the approach of Jesus' return is coming, people are going to fall away. That's my interpretation. Okay? And I think sometimes we make excuses about why we can't. I think... We make excuses about why we won't. And listen, I, I'm a, boy, I, I don't want to throw down condemnation. I just want to shoot straight. Is that, okay with, is that okay with you? I've heard things like this in church situations. Well, Johnny's got to be at practice. How many practices did Johnny have this week? Well, I have to do, and I've got to go, and they asked me to, and I had overtime for the eighth day this week, and I took it again, and I hear those all the time. And inevitably, when I keep hearing those over and over again, I also get the phone go, I don't know what to do. Can I say something to you? And I want to say, I, I, I don't want something from you. I want something for you, okay? I appreciate, I'm gonna, I, I, as a pastor, allowed to use the word but, because I'm going to use it. I appreciate every but in every pew right now. But my job is not to make sure there are, enough, there are buts in every space in here. My job is to make sure every but can keep running the race. And here's what I know. If you keep making excuses about the things that wear you down and are, are, are there to drain the life of Jesus out of you, you're going to eventually pooter out of gas. Is that a good word? I use butt and pooter in the same, in the same paragraph. Huh? Bet you don't get that at every church on Sunday morning. Huh? Listen. I want you to be the people of God. I want your life to reflect the glory of God as it's found in these words that were written two millennia ago. If, if the writer of Hebrews thought the drawing near of Jesus was happening when he penned these words, how much nearer are we to it now than then? And how much more do we need each other now than we needed it then? I'm just asking you to think about your spiritual growth. I'm asking you to think about what your priorities are. I'm asking you to think about, listen, the, the Bible says that bodily exercise profits a little. But training in godliness is good in all areas and is eternal. So check this out. I get that Johnny's got practice, and I'm not one to let my kids slack off on things. But i got to be really honest. If it became a continual thing that was getting in the way of their spiritual development, I'm telling a coach he won't be there. I, I, and I did. I have. Just telling you. Because what's going to take them further down the road is not how well they can... Do a drill. It's just not. Look what's getting down the road. How, how much of a person of God they are. Well, I'm talking, I'm trying to keep them to be a good teammate. Well, yeah. I get that too. Let me say this to you. I said, I said two weeks ago, I said, I said, no God, you know, no hope. No God, no hope. K-N-O-W, right? Last week we said this, 
know, know God's word, N-O, no hope, N-O. No, K-N-O-W, God's word, K-N-O-W, hope, right? Are you with me? I'm going to say this this week. Less of God's people, less hope. More of God's people, more hope. Now, we're not the key. God's the key. His word's the foundation, right? But we got to be around the people who are going to encourage us in the right direction, right? The scriptures tell us plainly that the, the commandments are this, to love God with all our hearts and to love others like we love ourselves. That's Matthew 22, 37 through 40, right? Okay, Jesus, these are the two greatest commandments. So we just read in Hebrews 10 that we're supposed to love each other, to gather together, to motivate one another to love and to good works. So our, our obligation to do that is to love God and to motivate each other to the good works, which is to love one another. But see, those are the two greatest commandments at the time that Jesus uttered them. Because that's why he's still walking the journey. At the end of his journey, he's meeting with his guys, guess what, at a Passover Seder. In John 13, and he looks at it and he goes, you guys remember I said, first greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Second one is this, love your neighbor like you love yourself. And he goes, but I got a new one. A new commandment I give unto you. Love one another. Who were the one another's? The guys in the room. Like I have loved you. By this would all men know that you are my disciples. Other words, one of the signs that we were the people of God would be the incredible amount of self-sacrificing love, that we, not that we show to them, that we show among ourselves. Are you catching that? I believe this, if the church is doing her job the right way, people will bang down the doors to get in because they won't get in on this love thing everybody else is getting in on. You see how they treat one another? You see how they love each other? You see how they're merciful they are to one another? You see how they handle each other's problems? You see what's going on? You see how they do that? And all of a sudden, man, all, you, there, there's something that starts to, to bubble up, right? They're like, hey, how can I? Can I? Because that brings me to my next point, right? Hope flourishes in connection with God's people who use that hope as a weapon. 1 Peter 3.15 reads like this. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Here's my fear. Because we let so many other things get in the way. My fear is Jesus is Savior of our lives. He's not necessarily Lord of our lives. And there is a big difference. When the things he says are priorities get shoved down the list, okay, he's not the Lord, he's just, an, he's just kind of a piece. Worship Christ as Lord of your life. Now, the next one is really cool. And if someone asks you, in other words, there's something going on in your life that makes people ask questions. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Again, he comes back to gentleness and, and humility. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people seek, speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Here's what I think. He goes on to say it's better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. He'll say that those lines. It would be better to take the hit with somebody and say, you know what? I'm not doing that today. I'm going to be, do what God says. He's the Lord of my life. I have this hope in me that needs to spring up. 
that makes people ask questions. See, hope, if you utilize it correctly, this congregation, if you are part of it correctly, it becomes an instrument in your hands to convey hope to other people. The hope that lies within you becomes an instrument, becomes a tool, becomes a weapon to take down darkness. But if you don't utilize it, if you make excuses about why you can't, why you're, you're going to miss it. And here's the thing. Again, I, I'm not trying to like, I, w- I want to help you think about what your priorities are, okay? I'm not trying to set them for you. I want you, to, you and Jesus to do business. But I want to plainly describe the Word of God. And I want you and him to, to get down together and realize why sometimes you end up in the holes that you end up in. Because your inclination isn't to closer connection to God's people. Your inclination is to step back away. And then hope wanes. And then you start to waver. If it, we, we, need, we need the people of God in our lives because hope has to be a weapon. There's a guy named Viktor Frankl. Anybody ever heard of him? I'll help you a little bit. He's a Jewish guy who survives the Auschwitz prison camp in World War II. He was a psychiatrist, had an underpinning of uh, Old Testament faith, Hebrew faith, right? Okay. And, and he, he was kind of uh, a contemporary, kind of directly after Freud and all those guys were doing all that psychiatric stuff, right? And he developed this idea he called Logos. In that idea, he, he, he began to help people find hope. When he was in a prison camp in Auschwitz, one of his, one of his uh, fellow uh, inmates were there, and they were just like, why are we even getting up every morning? Why, what are we doing? He'd look at it and he'd go, listen, evil is winning. We can't let evil win. We must survive so somebody can tell the story so that people know. And then he got out, and he went back to Vienna. And they found the suicide rate in Vienna was skyrocketing after the war. And one of the two key components of what he, what he taught people to do in Vienna was this. He taught them to develop relationships. And in developing relationships, find a project, find a project to do that if you don't come through with it, somebody else suffers. Then secondly, he said, listen, you've got to find the redemptive value of your suffering. As he began to employ those kinds of things, they found the tide turning and the suicide rate in Vienna. He believed man had a, had a will to find meaning. That was what pro- pro- propelled man, humans forward. Now, I don't know what his relationship was with Jesus. I know he had a Jewish background, so some of what he said probably was kind of, kind of you know, maybe you can kind of, I don't know if he ever gave in to the Lordship. But that underpinning that he, we just described is found in the Scriptures, right? 2 Corinthians 1.3 tells us we should comfort others with the same comfort we've been given. So to develop relationships and find a project that if somebody else is a, is, is a very biblical concept, an idea, to understand the redemptive nature of suffering is Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. And so listen, you cannot do that in isolation. You cannot do that in a withdrawal state. You have to do that in an interactive, active, interactive, proactive situation. You can't wait for it. You've got to jump into it. I told you we, we, we ebb and flow out of hope. And hopelessness, right? We're going to watch another piece of video. 
I want you to listen. I like this movie Castaway because it's an exaggeration of real life. This guy Chuck, his life goes in and out from hope to hopelessness, back into hope. And he begins to describe it in this video clip. And I just want you to listen to him as he's engaging. Now listen, he's engaging a friend of his. He's doing this in community. Who knows what the tide could bring? Chuck Nolan's background, he finds himself stranded. He creates a little fellow named Wilson out of a volleyball. So he has human interaction. He draws a picture of somebody in the side of the, one of the caves he's in and continues to foster that. And unbeknownst to him, there's a connection. I won't go into all the details. If you haven't seen the movie, I won't blow it for you. There's another connection on a box that is a people connection that keeps him going time after time through every difficulty, over every wave, through everything. I told you a story last week about the Exodus and how God had helped people who had no hope through other, he used other people. He, he took a group of people who were stuck between a rock and a hard place. There was no hope for them. There was two mountains on either side. They were in a valley. The, the Red Sea's in front of them. The Dead Sea's, the Red Sea's in front of them. And behind them is their enemy, hot on their trail. And God, in the middle of that congregation of people, that nation of people, uses another person to bring hope. I did a little analogy with you last week, and someone asked my stage hands to take their place. If you missed last Sunday, we can't replicate it because now the surprise is gone. See, because we're called into this thing to do life with people. The way we find hope is through the person of, of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. The second way we find hope is through the, the promises of God found in the Word of God. And the third way we find and maintain hope is because of the people of God God has placed around us. Love God. Love others. Love brothers. We talked last week about the Word of God being a lamp unto our feet. I saw the screens on. It's cool. Because here's what happens. If I'm in a group of people, I can go over this way, and Rick's sitting in hopelessness. Suddenly, he gets hope because I tap on him, and suddenly there's more hope. And I'm closely connected to some people over here, and so I walk over here, and we and I tap one of them, and bam, they're on. And I tap another, and he's on. And then we go about and we tap other people's lives. And suddenly, who's got a phone? Where's the phone at? Anybody got a phone? Oh, don't be shy. I see one. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to tap Misty from out here in the hallway. Turn your, turn your flashlight on. Now, sit next to you. You sit by with the phone. Tap them. Suddenly, in utter darkness, it's starting to be illuminated. Not because things have gotten better, but because the people of God have joined together. And suddenly, where it was pitch black, there's enough light in here to get business done. There's enough light in here to do what needs to be done. 
and we haven't turned on the first switch, it doesn't matter what's going on. Just because of the light we hold, we are making a difference. And so here's the deal. You need the person sitting next to you because life gets really dark. You need the people around you right now because life gets really dark. And as the more we light up the things that God says, the more light we have. The more hope we have. The book of Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6 read like this. But Christ as the Son is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. Yes, Alex. Amen, brother. Alex is the only one that got it. He got the cue. Is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. If we keep our courage, our courage, collectively, together, and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Being the people of God means we share hope with one another that emanates outwardly to the world around us. That means we encourage one another, we grow together. How do we keep growing in this? We grow in this by, by being in connection to God's people. I believe wholly that God encourages us as the New Testament church to gather corporately, but you cannot get away from the idea that God wants us not just to stare at the back of people's heads. He wants us engaged in the lives of the people sitting around God. Be engaged in, one, in other people's lives. If you don't have a small group, we can hook you up. But here's the thing. Find a small group where you can get one. Stop being passive in your relationship with other Christians. If you've got Christians at work, be intentional. And instead of just high-fiving each other, going through the hallway, say, hey, dude, can we get together maybe on Wednesday mornings? We need to encourage one another. We need to be the vessels of hope around here. And I just need in this place somebody who can help me. Will you mind? Let's get together. Let's read a scripture together. Let's pray together before we go into work. Can we do that? Hey, lunchtime's coming. Maybe some of you have Christian neighbors. Maybe it's time to stop being passive with that relationship and actually engaging them in relationship with Jesus and saying, hey, I want to be a part of what God's doing in your life. Will you be a part of what God's doing in my life? Let's be together. See, small group isn't just a program the church does. Small group, life on life community is something God does with the people regardless of where they come from, regardless of what they do. And it, you, we need to quit, quit making excuses by why we can't. We need to be engaged the way God wants us engaged. And so now that we've tried to be the people of God in a weird way, and when we engage like that, we get to use hope as a weapon. I want you guys to stand with me. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Usually we pray for one another like during, during the worship set because we want to offload things. But now is your time to offload something. If you're a part of our prayer team, come this way if you're on, on, on task today. Listen, how many of you would say, like, I've had an opportunity this week, and maybe it's still brewing, that I, I could, I, I'm, I hope is struggling right now. Anybody like that in the room? I'm not going to come pull you out. We already did the darkness thing. I come down all the way and freaking love you out already. I see a couple hands. Anybody else? The rest of y'all are full of hope, right? The rest of you not, nobody's had a bad week. Nobody's had something come at you you didn't anticipate. There's one. Look. There's another. Come on. See, you guys, you guys are getting it, see? We're going to worship together. Well, what I want you to do is find prayer with another 
follower of Jesus, we'll supply a couple for you. If you're, you got a friend nearby, huh, who, who you trust to pray with you, let them pray with you. If you're small group leaders in here, go ahead and hit your team leaders in here, hit them up. I don't care who it is, but I think it's time we be the people of God. Don't just talk about being the people of God and engage one another in real life issues. So if you come and you just got something plaguing you, you got something that just come up this week, you got something that's been plaguing you for some time, we want to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus, we want to introduce you to him. If you've been away from Jesus, we want to reintroduce you to him. If, if you're just struggling in some capacity, we want to help you make the connection. If you've got a sickness that you're trying to overcome, if you've got some kind of emotional duress or relational mess up going on or financial duress or just fill in the blanks, some kind of mental anguish or just spiritually dried up and tore up or whatever, just, just let us pray with you. We're going to sing a song. Connect with Jesus and connect with one another. All right. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.